Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Church, I want to speak to you prophetically this morning. I want to speak to Frontline, but to the Church of God as a whole regarding the place where the church is at the moment, the place of what God is doing at the moment. It will be in the New Testament, but I have to catch up from the Old Testament about where we are prophetically. I'm going to start with the foundation scripture for Frontline, which I've done so many times, but don't switch off because you've heard it so many times. Because every time you hear it, God will speak something new in it. We're going back to Genesis 26 and verse 18. And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. The first thing that gets established, God is a multi-generational God. God works through father and son, father and daughter, father and grandchildren. God works multi-generational. So Isaac went and opened the wells that his father had dug. And obviously their spiritual father also comes in that you have to open the wells that your spiritual father digs, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Wow, that's just something about walking in the same blessing as the father. Isaac's servants dug also in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. So there's the opening of the wells of the father and there's the digging of new wells. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it. And unfortunately in the church there's often arguments. There's often an issue about the flow of the living water. And Isaac's men dug another well and there was another dispute over it. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And close to this area where we are is a place that is called Reimsach in Afrikaans, which means broad view or wide view, which comes from that same place, open space, which Rehoboth refers to. From there, Isaac moved to Bathsheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. You see, once you hear that word that God is saying, I am with you and I'm going to bless you. Even when you arrive in a new place, I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this. Because of my promise to your father Abraham, my servant, and worship the Lord. And he set up his camp, and his servants dug another well. So this is Bathsheba, where there was another well dug, and this, dug, this well was dug by Isaac. If you jump 20 chapters on in the Bible to Genesis 46, and there's so much that happens of the Bible history that we all hear every day happens between Genesis 20 and Genesis 46. And uh, this is the time that Jacob is going to Egypt after Joseph has called them there. So Jacob set out to, for Egypt with all of his possessions. 
And when he came to Bathsheba, he offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. And he said, here I am, God. So I just want to talk about the place, Bathsheba, for a moment. It's the same well that Isaac had dug 20 chapters before in Genesis 26. And here his son is now as an old, old man. Jacob has lived through so much. He has thought his son is dead, Joseph, and now he's realized his son is still alive. And he's gone through so many things of pain and victories. But he's still at the same place where his son, where, he, um, where his father, Isaac, had dug the well. Where God had promised Isaac a blessing. And here is his son, Jacob. And God says to him, I am God, the God of your father. Verse 3 of Genesis 46. The voice said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be there to close your eyes. He will be with you to close your eyes. So Jacob left Beersheba. You see, for such a long time, there was a time of staying at the place of blessing, where Rehoboth is the place of space to become prosperous. Beersheba the well at Bathsheba was the place where you are prosperous. If we look um, quickly here, uh, verse 23 of Genesis 26. And then Isaac moved to Bathsheba where the Lord appeared to him. I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you and will bless you. So Rehoboth is the place of space to prosper. It's like a place to grow into where you want to be what you are. But prophetically, Bathsheba is the place of blessing. You've gone through your place of growing. You've gone through your place of finding out who you are. You are now walking in the blessing that God has said. A lot of the other things in your life will lead up to that place of blessing. Frontline, Church of God worldwide, I believe we are now at the place of Bathsheba. The place of blessing, the place of understanding what God is and what he has said in this place. Now let's move to the New Testament. Let's hear a little bit about this new time that God is taking the church into. In John 4, from verse 5, eventually he came to the Samaritan village, that's now Jesus, of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. The Lord showed me prophetically that the church is tired, and the church is sitting next to the well. The supply is right there by us, but we are sitting down tiredly. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You see, Jesus is not worried 
by any racial ideas that we have made up. Any idea that any division, we don't talk to those ones and those ones don't talk to us. Well, Jesus is not interested in that. He just walks straight across those barriers. And if you're a Christian thinking that there's divisions and barriers, I want to tell you God is not interested in those divisions and barriers. God is interested in a church that is one. And she said to him, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, church, if you only knew, men and women of God, men and women of God, allow it to move in your spirit that saying, God, I want to know the gift that you have for me. I want to know it more than what I know it. I want to understand it fully. What have you got for me? Jesus said to her, if, only, if you only knew the gift God has for you, and you, you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I'll give you living waters. Let's ask God right now. Lord God, give us the living waters. We want to move from the place of Bathsheba where we understand the natural waters of blessing and being in your hands and being taken care of by you and have water available to draw to the place where the living waters bubble up from inside of us, where it comes from deep inside of you. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is, well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Again, she is understanding that she is a relative of Jacob and it was given down the line. It was given down the, um, because she is a son of Jacob. And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never thirsty again. It becomes a fresh Bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Church, God is going to set you on fire to become that bubbling stream of living water. God has had enough of religion. God has had enough of racism. God has had enough of division. God has had enough of us sitting tired next to the well. God is saying, I am switching on. I am creating. I am reverberating. I am opening up the well that is within you. Church, you're not going to be digging wells. You're going to be opening it up and it's going to come from inside of you. It's going to flow out. And um, she said, please, sir. The woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to the, get water. You see, she was still thinking in the natural realm. She was still thinking within her religious upbringing. She was still thinking about water that you have to fetch. And Jesus says to her these powerful words, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And here's the thing that we have to see happening in the church again. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. You see, 
When is the church going to reset the prophetic alive again that will allow people to come in? I don't want to be able to give somebody their address or their number that they stay at. I want to be able to speak into their heart and know the things that are bothering them. This woman was bothered by men. This woman had an issue with men. She went from one husband to the next to the next and eventually decided, okay, well, now I'm just going to live with somebody. I'm not going to worry to get married. And when Jesus said this, her answer was verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. You see, when the living water starts to flow, people recognize the Spirit of God. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. She's going back to religion. She wants to discuss and debate issues about place, issues about doctrine, issues about history. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. God is not bothered about where we're worshiping God. He's not even phased if we're worshiping Him in church or at home. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about Him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Church, we're going back to worshiping in spirit and in truth. We're going to revive again a place of worship that doesn't matter if it's in a park or on a bridge or in a tunnel or in a church or in a lounge. But worship is going to come right from our heart. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. We have to lay down all of our religious arguments, all of our discussion about worship. We just have to fall on our face and say, Jesus, I worship you. And allow the living water to bubble out from inside of us. If it comes out in tongues, that's wonderful. If it comes out in words, that's beautiful. Because God says, you are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. For God is spirit. For those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Frontline, churches across the globe members of the church of God, there's a new time of worship coming. There's a time of worship coming that is just going to flow through. You're just going to hear a note and you're just going to start worshiping because you're going to be so in tune. We're going to be so in tune with just wanting to worship him, just wanting to push in, just wanting to allow him to move in. We cannot sit tiredly on the side of the well anymore. I rebuke every bit of tiredness. I saying, go find a place to refresh yourself. Take a break if you have to. Get off the treadmill of life and saying, I am going to find a place of rest so that I can rejuvenate and not sit next to the well tired like Jesus did in that time. I need to be right there producing the fresh water. I need to not be the one who's asking for the water. I need to be the one who's delivering the water.
That is true for every single one of us. Frontliners, if we call ourselves frontliners, we have to get on the front line as producing the fresh, bubbling, living waters. Um, verse 14 says it like this. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Is your religion, is your serving God, is your way of being close to Jesus giving you eternal life? Or is it just giving you rules and regulations and arguments and debates and all things that you can do? But you will never be thirsty again because it's becoming a fresh bubbling spring within you, giving you eternal life. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I am. The Messiah. I am that one that you're looking for. I am the one that you're waiting for. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to the woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask him. And the le woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Whoa, man, I know I shouldn't move around on the camera, but I cannot stand still when I see this. She left the reason she came to the well for. She came to the well to get normal water because she was thir thirsty in the natural. But she found something in the spiritual. She found something greater than what she came looking for. She came looking for water, but she went home with the living water. And she came walking down to the well, expecting to carry the heavy jar back to the village. But she ended up running back to the village because she said, she wanted to tell everybody, she said, come and see a man, verse 29, who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Oh, church. I'm praying for an expectancy in the world, the unsaved world. Those have to come into that place of such an expectancy and saying, I know there's more. I know that there's something more. And if it starts moving, they're going to run. They're going to come and we won't have enough place to contain them. Because the prophetic is going to set people on such a fire that they're going to run. They're going to run. This is the time we're in. There's an expectancy in the world. There's an expectancy waiting for the living water that should be flowing out of you to set people on fire. I don't know if this message is getting through you because I can't see your reactions. I can't even see your Facebook reactions. But I believe God is doing something at this stage. And he's opening that well and he's opening that up and saying to you, for too long, it's been about other stuff. For too long, it's been about your water jar. It's time to leave your water jar by the well and go and let the living waters flow out. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I've got the kind of food you know nothing about. And they were perplexing. Did somebody bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And from finishing his work. Church. Leaders. Ministers of the gospel. 
We must find our nourishment in doing His will. We must find our refreshing in doing His will. We don't need anything else. We just need His will. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. I don't want to play church anymore that just fills a Sunday morning and fills nearly every night of the week if it's not bringing people to eternal life. If it's not having eternal consequences, then we're wasting our time. Nothing but nothing can replace what is bringing people to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Oh, there's been missionaries and people working for years and years and years in places. And God is activating the church of this time to bring in that harvest. God is bringing this church. People that have seen very little result were the planters. And we are now in the phase of harvesting. And Jesus is prophetically saying, church Get ready for the harvest. It carries on and it says, Many Samaritans believed him. Many Samaritans turned to him. <laughs> My pages are being naughty. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. Is our prophetic words that we bring in church so powerful that whole villages turned to God? Or is it just a little pat on the back? Something that people hide away and don't even go tell anybody else about because maybe they're ashamed of what God has said. Prophetic in Frontline City Church. I am reawakening you today. I am reawakening you to this level. He told me everything I ever did. When they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And they then said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Oh, time it's for us time to declare and make known and shout from the rooftops, Who is the Savior? Who is the one that gets you through the dark days? Who is the one that carries you? Through the days that you don't know how to get out of bed. People are going to believe in him. Not because of what we've said. But because they're going to see him in our lives. They're going to see him in our lives. If I can recap this section out of John 4. Sometimes we are tired and we sit next to the well. Instead of being the well. What's very clear in this passage is that there's no racism. God is not interested in man-made rules about division. God is not interested in any form of apartheid. Secondly, God wasn't interested in her religious arguments about mountains and places and ancestors and things. He's not interested in that. He's interested in the living will. He said to her, if only you knew the gift. 
all of your arguments would be out the window. All of the issues that you have is gone because you can understand who, what the gift is that he gives. Then he says that it will be a fresh, bubbling stream giving life and giving eternal life. Then he said, understand the revelation of the prophetic is so strong. In churches today, we've allowed the prophetic to die. As an apostle, as a man in charge of a church, I have to say that I have to repent of allowing the prophetic on this level to die. And I will say to you now that in Frontline City Church, the prophetic will be raised again. The prophetic will be flowing more than ever before. We will make time for the Spirit of God to move and impact people's lives outside of our preaching, outside of our program, because the Spirit of God is coming alive. True worship. Man, the church of God in this time needs the true worship. I'm seeing it happen where a whole worship team falls on their face and just worships in tongues. And the church responds by falling down and lying on the floor prostrate and allow the living water to flow over them in spirit and in truth because God is spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. I declare, according, based on John 4, that the fields are ripe and the harvesters will bring many people into eternal life. We're not there to bring people into church. We are there to get them to eternal life. And the church is just a vehicle to help them get there, to care for them on their journey. The church is not the aim. Having a full church is not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is having a full heaven. Amen. Having a full heaven. I don't care if you come in and you get saved in front line and you then go and serve Jesus somewhere else. At least you are serving Jesus. And this is the time that God is going to be doing that. God says there's joy for the planters and the harvesters. Others have planted, but we will now be the harvesters. We will now be the harvesters. Many will believe because they will encounter him for themselves. You see, the church has got to be a place where people hear a word from God and they hear about Jesus. But ultimately, they have to encounter him for themselves. I cannot be your encounter. I can only introduce you to him. I can only introduce you to the one that has carried me through most of my life. I can only introduce you to the one that even when I'm at my worst, he allows something to flow out from inside. Even when I'm in my deepest trouble, he allows something to flow. Why? Because it's not about me or my circumstances. It's not about me or my health or my financial well-being or my breakthroughs. It is about him and people meeting him. God is shifting the church from comfort mode to a mode of saying, I am a harvester. Give me a shekel. I'm flying into this field and I'm going to bring in people into eternal life. I'm not here to preach a nice little sermon that tickles your ears. I'm here to set you on fire to open up the well, to let the well gush forth with lovely, bubbly, fresh water. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Let's just pray for the moment. I am reviving people right now. God says, I am reviving people right now. People that are saying, I feel like I'm sitting next to the well. I feel like I know the well is there, but I don't know how to drink from it. Please type out that prayer for us now if that is you. I don't know your name. I don't know what you're going through. But I know this one thing. That sitting next to the well will never, ever fulfill your thirst. You have to allow God to let you experience the gift that he has for you. You have to allow God to fully open up. And I believe that many is right now experiencing a love and a joy like they've never experienced before. They are realizing, ah, there's something that want to make me run. There's something that makes me want to experience again everything that God has. Some people are experiencing it for the first time and others are just re-saying, Oh, Lord God, for too long I've sat next to the well. For too long I've been aware of my own tiredness and my own frustrations and my own failures. But now today... I am just wanting that gift that you spoke of, Jesus. I want to be like the Samaritan woman that leaves my jaw at the well and runs to tell others because you've done something greater than what I can imagine. Jacques Baca, I speak to you now and I say God is refreshing you at this very moment. God is taking away every little bit of tiredness. God is taking every bit of saying that it's been enough and it's been too long and I don't know where the next step is. God says, I've got you. To every dear member of Frontline that have lost their jobs in this time, for those wherever you are across the world as well, I'm including you in this prayer. If you've lost your job, rise to your feet right now and I'm going to pray for you. I say, Lord God, Reopen up a place of employment, new businesses, new ventures, new places for those that need employment in the mighty name of Jesus. My wife, come join me here in the shot. God wants to speak to you. Can you get both of us in the camera? Are we both in? You know what I'm going to say, hey. God has seen you pick up the prophetic mantle and put it down. And pick it up and put it down. I'm now officially appointing you as the prophet of Frontline. You've been that, but it's hurt too much, so you've run away. It's taken you on places where you never thought it would take you, and so you pushed it away. But God says, I am re appointing you in the role of prophet of the church. In 1993, the first time we received a word about going full-time by a lady by the name of Kerry Southey that was near midnight in Word of Faith Christian Center in Port Elizabeth. And a friend of ours insisted that we waited to see the prophet and we wanted to go home so many times. And she said that you will be a prophet to the nations. Then we met her again in 1999, and there's no way that she could have remembered us. And she said again, 
you will be a prophet to the nations. And I want to reiterate that word. You see, God is saying prophetically, there's so much inside of you to guide and lead young prophets. And you have to stand up and take your place and step into that role again afresh. Don't allow it to be squashed. The church will not be whole if you don't take up your prophetic role. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, not in the role as a husband, but in the role of as an apostle, I again reactivate the prophetic. I reactivate the role of a prophet within Frontline City Church as part of the fivefold ministry as mentioned in Ephesians. And I expect you, Lord God, to let the bubbling river flow from this place that will bring many into eternal life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I prophesy on that note? In a minute. Okay. In that word in 1993 and repeated in 1999, the prophet said that I will get them to go and Mandy will keep them in line. And um, the picture I see of Frontline at the moment is people that are marching out of rhythm. People that are marching, but they don't all hearing the left, right, left, right clearly. We are moving, but we're not moving in the right rhythm of God. And God is saying, I am going to re-establish my rhythm and make you like a well-trained drilling platoon front line that if you put your foot down, it will be one sound because everybody's foot will go down as one. And it's doing because we are getting the basics in line. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.